Today, our task is to pitch the next big tentpole DC movie. I'm always Mike. And I'm Darren. Now, we've done two of these episodes. This will be our third. Um, and our first two were kind of bigger projects, I think it was safe to say. Yeah, both based around... Well, the first one was a Spider-Man pitch for a sequel. So, a fair amount of constraints there in kind of... We didn't have a lot of wiggle room with casting in, in some of key roles. And we had to play off a movie. The X-Men one, you operated with complete freedom, but you also had to kind of work it into the MCU quite snugly. I had to work it in even more so because I was doing a crossover. With DC, what we've decided to do is we don't really want to pitch sequel idea or, you know, this spin-off freedom they've given themselves to this weird Joker Origins movie that's nothing to do with the rest of the DCU. Because it's not doing great. This is predicated on Justice League failing, admittedly, which we don't know if it will. We do, but we don't know if it will. <laughs> um, I did admittedly see a clip today of Batman going to see Jim Gordon, and it's got the um, uh, Tim Burton Batman theme playing. Nice. Apparently that's in the movie, and so is the Superman theme. Nice. Which I'm like, okay, that's a little bit of goodwill you brought back there. Um, no, we said, right, if we were going to put a movie into the upcoming DC lineup of movies that we feel would not, not save the entire project, because one movie can't do that, but would offer something different, change the game a little bit, give them curry good favour with the fan base, etc., 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 what would we do? Operating with a lot more freedom than we've had on their two previous uh, models. Um, so we both picked a character. We did. And we're both about to pitch you our movie to go into the DCU proper. It's not a spin-off. It's connected to the Justice League universe. Yeah, because it's, it's apparently not the DCEU. They want you to call it the Justice League universe, which is a bit mm, just no. a bit of a shit name. We're going to call it the DCEU. Well, they just keep changing that every time the movie sucks. And <laughs> It's now called the Aquaman universe. The Wonder Woman universe. That's what they want it to be at the minute, I'm sure. It's probably why Absolutely. she's in every shot of the fucking trailer. Right. Um, not that I don't like Wonder Woman. It was brilliant, but, you know... We are hedging <laughs> everything that we like about Justice League on Wonder Woman right now. <laughs> and are. just Jason Momoa as a person. Yeah, that's about it. Jason um, Miller's just... Uh, oh, no, the right, more I see of that flash. Uh, why didn't we go and get Grant Gustin? Right, right. Oh, no, right, that's a different discussion for a different day. We're here to talk positively about DC because we want them to work so fucking badly. DC are in the best position. They don't have any of their characters living elsewhere. They can go and pick any motherfucker they want and make that movie straight away. You said they're forcing themselves into a Fox model where they're like, no, this is a Joe Origin movie that's nothing to do with anything over there. Why do that? That makes no sense. Right. <laughs> this is going to happen a lot where we just start plunging into negatives. <laughs> but we're going to keep our head above water. We're going to reset the bracket now. Yep. We have a classic game of fire paper, fire paper, fire paper, fire <laughs> grass water. Yes. Um, whoever has type advantage shall go first. Ready, Michael? I am ready. We go one, two, two three, three, shoot. shoot. Yep. One, two, three, grass. Fire. You win. Boom. Right. I'm going first, and I have picked. Now you know this, Michael, but everyone at home doesn't. I don't think I announced it on this podcast. 
Though I have had him in my mind for about six months now as this is the guy I would pitch. He did feature as your top docket on your article the nine DC characters that should be included, which you can read over on foundstammon.com, by the way. Oh, smooth segue. Uh, yes, I am going with Booster Gold. Um, what I'm about to pitch to you is a comedy vehicle. I think that's the only thing you can do with Booster Gold at the moment. To add some much-needed fucking levity to DC <laughs> movies that aren't just all grim and beige, right? This is a breath of fresh air in every single possible way that can be said. Right, here we go. Um, I will say I much preferred writing this to the other two. I, I, I like those ideas more because I care about those characters more, but this was so much simpler. It was written in one draft with a little bit of late-night tweaking last night where I got a bit of cold feet. Um... Here we go. I must say, I'll point out at this point, I'm not the biggest Booster Gold expert. Yep. There's probably things I might mess up that might annoy, but I believe this movie can work. Here we go. We open on a college American football game. Scoreboard show it's the Gotham University Nighthawks versus the Metropolis University Bulldogs. That is their names from the comic books. I fucking checked. Um, <laughs> Gotham are down by a touchdown. I know you don't know American football, but just... just then you do. Okay. Um, Goffin are down by a touchdown. Go sports. Uh, in the last few seconds, and the teams kind of huddle up together. Uh, the quarterback gives uh, everyone a quick pep talk, and he tells X, you need to bring the magic for me. They all break, they go into the play, the play starts. Quarterback gets the ball, but instead of throwing it like they normally would down the pitch, the quarterback just launches it skywards, basically straight up in the air, which is a bit odd. But then we kind of track the ball and it is picked up in midair by someone who is flying, right? In the football jersey. Oh, shit. It's X has grabbed the ball. Some, he's fending off a guy with insect wings, like pushing him away <laughs> and lands in the end zone. Scores a touchdown. A robot referee comes out and says, Gotham's University win. Woo! X, well, you see the back of his shirt. It's like a 15-letter name beginning with X. It's unpronounceable. He whips his helmet off and he's clearly an alien. He's a, um, I'm going to butcher this, Tamararian Starfire's race. Yeah, sounds a bit right. So he's got yellow Tam- skin, Tamarians, right? Yeah, bright red hair. Anyway, so he's like, woo! He goes to run with his set right with his quarterback. He takes his head helmet off, and it is Michael Carter, Booster Gold, yeah, of course, played by Joe Keery, aka Steve. Oh yes, <laughs> from Stranger Things. Did you catch last time that I actually had him uh, pegged as Proteus for my? Yes, I X-ray did. Movie. Yeah. So I've gone with him for Booster Gold because That's... I think, especially after watching Stranger Things season two. I became convinced that this was my guy. I had batted around with a lot of people. I had the diversity card come into my head again. And I was originally going to cast... Um, oh, what's his name from The Walking Dead? Um, which guy? Um, um, ah, God. The, the guy the, that... The character? Ne- yeah, what, Negan. Which character? I don't know his name. Oh, I don't watch... Negan? No, the one that Negan smacked... Oh, you, the... gonna, you were going to cast uh, Glenn. Glenn. Glenn yeah. was going to be my... my um, Stephen, Stephen Yuen, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. He was going to be, but I didn't think he was young enough, and I just, I, just, I really wanted Steve. So, um, <laughs> Steve, Steve Harrington. Steve Harrington is Michael Carter in my movie. Um, his other teammates come over. It's clear that some of them are extraterrestrials, some of them are humans. This is all very subtly saying, we're in the future. It's half past the future. Yay. Um, and so they all come over, and they're walking off the field, and uh, Michael spots... Uh, reporters waiting for him by the tunnel uh, off the thing. So he kind of runs to his bag that's at the bench and he puts on um, a hat that says Bob's Quantum Computer Repair <laughs> and, and a jacket that reads Marsh, uh, Martian Marshmallows sponsor um, Big Booster Michael Carter, right? Nice. So X like, laughs at him for being a cheap sellout um, but Carter's like, my body is my prime real estate and every inch of me is for sale. 
Um, uh, during the interview, uh, the reporter says, Booster, you were really on the back foot for a lot of that match. It was just like the Alamo. Um, to which Michael replies, actually, we beat Alamo week seven by a lot. So it's quite a different game, actually. Reed, he's stupid. Um, all right, so Michael goes home to his mom, um, played by Tina Fey. Fair play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm stacking this with comedy people. Um, who lives? Um, who he lives with after his dad left with his sister uh, when he was young. Um, his mom is ill, and uh, Michael is going straight out to a night job at a uh, hydrogen station because we've got rid of gas by this point. Yep. Um, so he can save to for her treatment. Um, the the late nights are making it hard for him to concentrate. At school. He's not the greatest student in the world, but he's a star athlete, so he gets by. Um, so we see him during a history class where the teacher is talking about the age of heroes in like the 2010s, but he's not really paying attention, but we see flashes of the Justice League. Um, during one night shift, um, he's working at the hydrogen station. His dad, um, Jonah Carter, walks in, played by Bob Odenkirk, a.k.a. Saul <laughs> from Breaking Bad. Nice. Um, That's he's, good. He's a sleazebag, basically. Um Michael's very hostile towards him, but his dad says he wants to help his son. He mentioned that he made a lot of money on Gotham's comeback against Metropolis, and he wants to help his son get enough money to help his ex-wife. So he's going to ask. He asks his son, "Just look, throw a few loose passes in the game. Nothing that's going to affect the results. You do that. I'll place the right bets, and we can both make a lot of money out of this." Now Michael is suspicious, but he knows his mom needs the help and needs it sooner rather than later. So he very reluctantly agrees to do this. Um, and it works well for a few matches. He throws a few random loose balls here and there. No one bats an eyelid and the money starts to roll in. He earns enough money to pay for his mom to have an operation. But during the final season of the game, his dad gets caught out in a sting operation. Uh, dad immediately spills the beans that his son was in on, the, uh, um, in on everything. Um, and they both go down. Jonah is sent to prison for several years. It turns out this is a widespread problem. He's been doing it for a while. But Michael is only sentenced to six months uh, and community service in jail. His mum's operation is a success, um, but she has to move into residential care so they can care for her. Um, when his prison sentence is over, Michael can't get the attention of any pro teams in football because he got done for max fixing. So he has to take just the worst bottom-level job. In this case, a part-time nighttime security guy at the Gotham City History Museum. Um, the job is very poorly played because most of the security is run by robots. The humans are just there really just to monitor the robots and make sure they don't break down. Um, this is where we meet Skeets, who is Booster Gold's robot psychic, played, you're going to like this of all people, played by Richard Iowadi. Oh, nice. I was going to get Stephen Merchant, and I might renege on that, but I was like, it's a bit too obvious to get the guy from Portal to be a yeah. comedy robot. Uh, so yeah, I've Richard Iowadi fits that really well. I've gone with that. He's not fond of Michael at all, and he's whenever Michael like gets bored and starts running around the museum, Skeets is there just you know um, haranguing him. Um... <laughs> One day, he walks past a display of a time machine that used to belong to the legendary time traveller Rip Hunter. Um, Deciding there is no point in hanging around in the 25th century anymore, he cooks up a plan. He's going to steal the technology that's also in the display um, and and go back to the 2010s, where his technology will allow him to be, to all intents and purposes, a superhero. He plans to go back there, you know, save the world, save people, earn money from that, come back to the 20th century so him and his mom can live in style because at the moment they're going nowhere um skeet's catching him in the act when he's trying to break into the time machine um as and the two start getting into a fight they're you know skeet's just launching lightning at him all the time his suits protecting him but there we go 
they kind of stumble into the time machine and we see that at one point um, Michael's hand touches like a, a, a hand scanner on the on the time machine and it recognizes him for some reason and turns the entire machine on he's been deactivated for years but it's working again it shoots out the window now I, I need to describe because it's more of a visual shot not okay. great for a, for an audio medium it shoots out a window and then starts climbing into the sky. So we see this from inside the cockpit of the kind of the the, the ground getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, eventually, there is a malfunction because Skeets is just shooting lightning everywhere. But there is a brief flash of light. We see the ground underneath them change from like massive futuristic city with flying cars and stuff into modern day Gotham, 2010 Gotham, and the ship starts plummeting to all one shot. They go up. Flash of light, and then they start plummeting back to Earth, <laughs> um, which I think would be a really cool shot. And they land in a trash heap. Um, the um, the crash damages the capsule, so Skeets is reluctantly talking to helping Michael fix the shuttle, um, so they get back to their time. Um, Skeets puts up like a, an invisibility shield, basically, around the shuttle, so no one finds it. Uh, Michael and Skeets, who doesn't actually leave the shuttle, he's just working through a comms link with Michael. They walk around the streets of Gotham, and we get some nice fish-out-of-water comedy. Um, he dons a suit, and he's decided he's going to call himself Goldstar. That one, he wants that to be his superhero name. He scopes out a bank robbery, which happens to be being done by Killer Moth. Right, okay. I'm going with basically a lot of comedy villains. This one in particular is played by Ben Schwartz, a.k.a. John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. Fair play. Because I good. want him and Steve together again. <laughs> um, so Kill Em Off is being very zany, um, and he's hoping Booster Gold's trying to use this as like his launching pad. He's going to fall this bank robbing, it's going to be amazing. He lands doing his big bravado stance, and he goes, Kill Em Off, before he can do anything else, the sh- the the suit launches lightning out of the fist and knocks Killer Moth out <laughs> cold before he's even broke into the vault. Right? So there's no one around. All the cameras have been fried. So Booster Gold has to break into the vault to get money and then kind of scatters it over <laughs> Killer Moth before the police turn up. Um, the police do turn up and they're kind of like, oh, wow. Um, and, and reporters are there and they're like, who are you? What's your name? But he's so flabbergasted by everything that's happened to him in the suit, kind of overwhelming a little bit. He kind of, instead of saying Gold Star, he puts it out, Booster, no, Gold, and they call him Booster Gold. Um, and he goes about making himself a celebrity superhero. Um, he goes from city to city, stopping goofy supervillains. I mean, talking like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Kite Man, Ventriloquist. Oh, Kite Man would be so good in this movie. <laughs> all your stupid villains um, who he's taking. He's not taking on A-listers here. He's taking down easy to defeat people. Um, he establishes an office in Gotham. Um, with a giant picture of his own head above his desk. Uh, and he's visited by a wheelchair-bound man called John, played by, I'm going to butcher the name again, I think it's Dacer Montgomery, the Red Power Ranger. Yes. Who's also in Strange Things 2. It is too. Daker, by the way. Daker. He's also in Strange Things 2 as Billy the With Arsehole. mullet. Good. Looking like, I thought it was like Efron when I first yeah, saw him. Yeah, I was like, like, oh my God. But With the Red Power like, Ranger. Pig Corner. He's an aggressively good-looking man. I know, In right? Strange Things 2. Anyway, so he's playing a wheelchair-bound man um, Johnny's missing most of his right arm and both of his legs, um, but he represents an investment company, and they want to make um, Booster Gold the first PR-friendly superhero. Uh, with John's help, Booster starts to get sponsors, which is a very easy way to get uh, product placement into the movie, and literally parts of his like armour are sponsored by different companies, be they real or fake. Uh, and he's generally a bit of a sap. He's, doing, um, he's on chat shows, he's on advertisement, he's got energy drinks named after him. Um, but during the fight, we see that it's clearly Skeet who's doing the heavy lifting by calling the shots and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but questions start coming about about his legitimacy because he keeps joking, oh, the Justice League aren't returning my calls, but they're literally not returning his calls. He's phoning them, <laughs> trying to get them to talk to him. And this kind of, um, this this lack of legitimacy starts to, you know, and his lackluster feats of superheroes kind of lead to the interest, media interest drying up and moving elsewhere. Um, Boost starts to mess up on a few of his missions because he's trying to do bigger and better things and it's just not working for him. He's plummeting down the fame ladder. His 15 minutes are up. John, however, sticks with him and um, he wants to make Booster a big deal again and he has a can't-fail plan. They're going to stage an attack on Gotham's Founders Day celebrations with a robot built to stage a fake kidnapping of the mayor but the robot will fall down the second Booster goes near it. Um... Now, now, Booster wants to take the risk, but Skeets is there to remind him, this is almost exactly what happened with your dad. You were suckered into this once. Don't do that. Booster gets very angry. They start arguing, saying, look, things are different now. I'm in control. I'm a fucking superhero, for God's sake. I'm not just some super kid playing football. I am in control of the situation. Um, Skeets refuses to help Booster any further, and he's just, I'm just going to work on the ship. You go and do whatever the fuck you want. Um, and Booster goes ahead with the plan. However, as the attack plays takes place, Booster flies in and the robot just shoots him. Straight through the shoulder, Booster's in a lot of pain. And the robot kind of attacks him, this is your mid mid-film big um, action scene. Yeah. Booster can't like escape him as the robot's like tearing after him. And he eventually starts passing out on like a rooftop that he's been thrown to. Just as he's about to pass out, a blue blur flies through <laughs> and takes down the robot, right? Um he comes to after a while, um, and he flies back to his office and he turns on the TV to see a man in an all-blue suit with a visor covering his face, right? Um, no, it's not Superman, in case that's who you're thinking of. Obviously. Um, and he tells the press that Booster Gold knew about this attack but didn't do anything to stop it because he wanted to play the hero. But now there's a new hero. You can count on Peter Platinum. <laughs> a legitimate villain from Booster Gold's line of a villain. Nice. Anyway, he's called Peter Platinum because Platinum is better than Gold. Um, Peter Platinum. I know, I oh know. It's quite silly, but bear with. Um, Platinum becomes the new Booster Goal, um, and Booster has to kind of leave his office before he gets lynched and take refuge in the time machine. Um, Skeet revealed that the time machine is nearly fixed, so they could just sit tight for a month or two. Um, they have enough food and stuff to keep them going. But Booster wants to explode, um, expose Platinum because he's convinced something is wrong. Um, maybe not Platinum's in on it, but he keeps being in the right place at the right time, and there's there's started to be a few casualties at these incidents, um, but the media still love him regardless because he's taking on that much bigger threats than Booster ever did. So Booster suspects he might be in league with the mysterious Jack who has just gone radio silent at this point. Um, so we get a scene with Booster recovering from his injury in an intentionally cheesy training montage. Nice. So this shield over the, the shuttle is not very big. It's about, about as tall as Booster, but then it domes down. So he's got an entire training montage in this very confined space, which I think could just be a very funny, like him just stretching his leg barely or banging his head on something. Um, that could be funny. Um, and he tracks Peter Platinum overlooking an airfield where they are getting ready for Gotham's Hot Air Bloom Festival. Because I wanted something unique. I was like, well, you can't do boats, because you know, they did that in the Avengers, and you can't do planes, they did in Iron Man 3. They haven't done like air balloons, though. <laughs> Um, we got it. So he he wants to talk to Peter as a friend, so he doesn't like attack him. He approaches him, but the second he gets anywhere near Peter Platinum, Platinum just outpowers Booster and pins him to the floor easily. He reveals himself to be Jack. The visor comes up and it's Jack, but he's got arms and legs and shit. 
Um, and then he, he, with Booster pinned to the floor, he reveals that his real name is Jonah Michael Carter Jr. He is a version of Booster from a different dimension. Nice. Right? Um, however, when he jumped back in time, because, you know, all Booster gold in all things were destined to do this, but when he jumped back in time, the time machine malfunctioned and it lost. he lost both his legs and his arm in a spicing accident. They just got cut off. And he says... Who well, who knows what else was cut off at the time, but this suit is much more advanced than Booster Gold. So he essentially has hard light constructs for his arm and his two legs, um, which he does. He, he's kind of he's got um, Booster Gold pinned to the floor. He turns one of his arms off and then turns it back on to show what he's on about. Yeah. Um, and he's, he um, goes through and says, "Look, I saw you, a smiling idiot from the future, me, but just someone who got lucky." And you were a joke. No one took you seriously. And I knew one day it would all come crumbling down. Because, you, you know, don't you see, brother? All sons of Jonah Carter are destined to fall and fail. Only I'm going to book the trend. I'm going to be the one Carter that doesn't disappoint anybody. Um, and he says that he's got a big stunt plan for this hot air balloon. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. The the balloons are going to start blowing up. Of course they do. It happens all the time in this godforsaken universe. And some of them might fall to their death. That's fine. They've been dead for 400 years where I'm from. Doesn't bother me at all. I'll save them and they'll love me that much more. Um, and then he tells his version of Skeet, which is the robot that was attacking the mayor in the first place, to just hold Booster there and just pummel him to death, right? He flies off to do his thing. Um, Skeets turns up, good Skeets, and dispatches with the bad Skeets, a bit of robot fighting there. Um, and then the two of them set out to stop Platinum. Uh, some balloons explode, but Booster is quick to save people inside. He's not going at Platinum, he's saving people first and foremost. Um, him and Platinum then start attacking each other amongst the balloons with Booster, um, again, saving people instead of attacking straight away. Skeet is damaged in this attack. But Booster grabs him and throws him like a football straight at Platinum. You manage to latch on and kind of deactivate the suit a little bit so his flying capabilities go. He plummets towards the ground. Booster still saves him before he hits the ground and then puts him down. Um, Platinum still wants to attack him. Goes to throw a punch, but um, Skeet just turns the arm off. So he goes, and then the arm just disappears and nothing happens. And then Booster, one punch, knocks him out and says, oh, it's just like beating the Alamo all over again. <laughs> Read, stupid. Um, <laughs> In my head, that's just like flashing up at the bottom of the yes. screen, like, ding, um, stupid, big arrow. Yeah, exactly. Booster is welcomed back by the press and he is accepted as an honest-to-goodness superhero. Yay, end of the movie. post credit scene. Um, we see him kind of fixing his lights back together, uh, his, his office back together, and the lights go out. They come back up, and Batman is stood in the room. Ben Affleck, Batman, is in the room with him, and of course he's screaming like a little girl. Um, <laughs> he starts. Batman isn't saying anything, but Booster Gold just like blabbering at him like an idiot. It's like uh, he's, he's seemingly asking Batman if he wants to sign his robot, um, but he's, Batman just says, "Right, we've been keeping an eye on you. We all have, and we we thought you were a joke, but that stunt the other day was impressive." Keep it up, kid. Batman leaves, uh, you know, lights out, lights back up, and Booster runs over to the window. He's like, does this mean I'm in the Justice League? <laughs> Skeets comes over, and he was like, who was that? And Booster goes, Superman? <laughs> End. Nice. I do have a sequel idea, very yeah. quickly, called Blue and Gold. Oh, nice. Um, it's set after a um, Justice League movie that introduces both Booster Gold and Jamie Reyes' version of... 
uh, Blue Beetle to each other. I've got Diego Bonetta playing um, Blue Beetle. He okay. was the main dude in Rock of Ages. Okay. Yeah, he is Mexican-American. Work. I checked. It's fine. His dad's Mexican. We could. Because, um, again, I don't like casting people I don't know. Yeah. And he was the only one I really recognised when I did some searches. So there we go. Um, he's enlisting Blue Beetle to help fix the time machine because he's very advanced technologically. Uh, they bond over it with the jock booster and the nerd beetle kind of bonding. And the pair successfully fix the time um, short. And there's kind of a thank you to Blue Beetle. He takes him into the future. They park it at Booster's house and go out for future alcohol. Um, <laughs> what they don't know is that they, they go back to the house that he was living with his mom, but now Jonah Carter, Bob Odenkirk, is living there, kind of squatting there um, after he lost his house. He walks up to the time machine that he just found in his house in the garage, and it kind of responds to him in the same way it responded to uh, Booster Gold. He opens a hatch. You see like, the big glowy energy thing, like the like the TARDIS has a big energy thing, yeah. thing. He touches it and gets powers. Um, he becomes the supervillain Supernova, like he's in the comic books. He's got time-distorting powers that send him a bit mad. And this force booster and beastles a team up in blue and gold to take him down. This movie would introduce not only the blue... Well, he doesn't introduce the blue beetle, but he's in it. It would introduce Booster's twin sister, Michelle, who becomes Gold Star, the hero that Booster Gold wanted to be. She's played by Abigail Breslin. From Zombieland and oh, stuff. Who I haven't seen for a while and he's far too good to be unknown. Yeah, definitely. And, and could kind of pass as a twinish of, of Steve. So Abigail Breslin's in there. Um, and it will also introduce Rip Hunter. And to keep up my streak of always casting Game of Thrones people, he's played by Richard Madden, a.k.a. Rob Stark, uh, the eldest um, son of Ned Stark. Because again, I have to cast Game of Thrones people. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want it to be Legends of Tomorrow guy because fuck Legends of Tomorrow. Um, and he's basically heavily hinted that Booster Gold, um, Gold Star, and their dad are related to Rip Hunter. Because in mm. the comic books, Booster Gold is Rip Hunter's dad. Yeah. Um, and trains an, uh, a young Rip Hunter to then go back in time to train him. So Rip Hunter becomes his dad's teacher. It's all very yeah, Terminator. I get it. Um, it's a, it's a, yes. what's it? What's the word? Loop? Loop, that's it. This is why the time machine recognises. Um, their DNA because they're related to Rip Hunter. That's why it activated for him in the first place. This film, this is the big one, would also introduce a gay relationship blossoming between Boo Beetle and Booster Gold. Oh, cool. Now, Rip can be born from insemination or be Gold Star's son or, or whatever, but that's it. Yeah, I want that to be a thing. Fair play. I'm going to introduce a nice gay relationship. And it's one that makes sense because, you know, they've always been bros. Not the, specifically the Jamie Reyes version of Boo Beetle. It's the Ted Cord version of the Blue Beetle yeah. that's buddy-buddy with Booster Gold, but... That should be a thing. That's why there's no real big love interest in Booster Gold's life from what I can see. So this is more useful to me. So I'm yeah. going to put it in there. I can see it as a sort of 500 Days of Summer style relationship. Oh, God, yeah. They'd just be bros, but they'd also be gay. Yeah. It'd be awesome. And that's my movie pitch. That's really cool. I know I'm not going to beat it, to be honest. Oh, wow. Okay. Look, I've had two very strong pitches. If I do say so myself, I've had two very strong pitches with ideas that... I deeply care about in the past two episodes. I'm a big enough man to admit that both your Spider-Man and your X-Men pitch were better than mine. So, I mean, not that I'm trying to toot my own trumpet, but I was pretty much two for two in this series. Yeah, I'll give you that. And the second you told me you were doing Booster Gold, I know I'd lost. Really? Because hearing that, like, that's exactly what you do. You make the comedy vehicle movie that DC is sadly lacking. There are other people you can do for comedy. I won't name them right now in case you have picked one of them, but... There we go. No, because I've not gone the comedy route. It must be said. So you could have done Plastic Man, you could have done Lobo, you could have done um, others. 
Yeah. Others. What I've intentionally done mm. um, is I've stayed away from movies that have either been mentioned or have begun development. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, Lobo was immediately off the table. Is that in development? It's it's floating around. Right. I think scripts are being right. written for okay. Lobo, or they've floated ideas for Lobo. It also took Nightwing off the table. It took mm. Batgirl off the table. Admittedly, Nightwing would have been my first and only choice had it been an option. A Nightwing movie would be so much fun to write. Yes. But I was stuck with characters that don't necessarily have a movie in development. Right. When I approach my script, and I told you just before we started the episode, but it's obviously news to the listeners. This is my fourth idea for a standalone DC movie. Right. And it's 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 the one that interested me the most because I was getting bored of writing standard superhero plots mm-hmm. to to the extent that like you know my idea for Spider Man uh, graduation was a ten page spec script yeah. that I am insanely proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, to compare that to this, I think it's like a page, a page and a half of notes on Google Keep. So it's 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 gonna be this is gonna be brief, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pad it out with the. Uh, Total bullshit. So it's going to be good. Uh, So what I did is I I took a look at the current state of the DC universe. Who got turned down? Who got turned down, sorry. Yes. So my initial latch on idea was going to be Zatanna. Mm -hmm. Um, Another strong choice for me. But it essentially devolved into making Fifty Shades of Grey with superpowers. So... I didn't really want to do that. No. And like and, and the Zatanna movie I still think could be made. So I'm gonna come back to Zatanna after I've finished what I'm about to pitch here. Mm-hmm. Because I still think a Zatanna movie would be fantastic. Right. Um I turned down Our Man, which was a golden age hero who gets his powers from drugs that only last an hour, and I thought, oh maybe you could you know, the DC Universe is dark and grim and gritty. We could do a really horrible version of this where it's like a man who becomes slowly addicted to mind addling drugs as he Becomes a superhero, and I thought even happiness. yeah, happy even that is too depressing for the yeah. for the Justice League universe uh-huh. DC or whatever you want to call it. Um, I also turned down a Batman Beyond idea, and what was my other one? Animal Man. I turned down as well, right? Uh, which essentially was I wanted to adapt Grant Morrison's run on Animal Man, where he's the only superhero in DC's canon that realizes he's in a comic book and meets Grant Morrison. It was too meta. Right. I love it as a comic book, but it couldn't really exist oh, as God anything no. else. Mm-mm. What I landed on was 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 the idea that because of the state of the DC universe as it is, and they've, they've actually come out and publicly said, we're kind of stepping back from the interconnected movie thing. Everything's still in the same universe, but not everything's a run-on like it is in Marvel. Right. And they're essentially saying, look, there's going to be room to tell a lot of different standalone stories and, you know, yeah. if things work, which is good, like, because they're essentially saying we're going to make a lot of first movies and if those first movies are good, we can do more. I'm, I'm on board with that. They are also, however, fucking fantastic plagiarizers. So oh. they would be stealing ideas from Fox as well as Marvel. Okay. So this is where we've landed. Um, I want to make a straight-up horror movie. Okay. I want to do that with a character called Spectre. I don't know whether you know uh, about Spectre. Y- yes. To give you a brief idea the of... The Spectre. Yeah, The Spectre. Right, okay, I do. Who was a, was a, a Golden Age hero as well to begin with, which is where I started... I, I picked him up as I was writing about Our Man. Right. Uh, but then I was like, oh, okay, I'll just look into the other characters and then looked into Spectre and then like his revival version was really cool. So that's what this is based on. Right, that's off. a big shout. It is a big shout. So it's a straight-up horror movie mixed in with a police drama. Right. So, 
Shall I just get straight into it, or do you want to know? By all means, go for it. Okay, so, like I say, this movie is about um, a cop who's searching for the reasons behind (laughs) the... Sorry, you said a cop. A cop. A cop who's searching... (laughs) There's your answer, Fishbob. No, so it's a cop who's searching for the answers of a supernatural event that causes the death of his partner. Uh, Meanwhile, it's revealed that the... um, New York Police Department, the NYPD, is full of corrupt cops on the force who are also turning up dead at the same time as uh, sort of like known criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, my my sort of like it, description of sentence is it's The Departed meets The Blair Witch Project meets Friday the 13th. Okay. So it's a bit of a mixture. Hell of a thing. Yeah, it's hell of a thing. So it, it opens up in New York City and it opens up with uh, police detective Jim Corrigan, uh, who I've got played uh, by Damian Lewis. You might know him okay, from yeah. uh, Homefront. Homeland. Homeland. Yep. Yeah, sorry, not Homefront. Uh, and his partner, Louis Snipe, or Louis Snipe, actually, sorry, uh, who's played by Norman Reedus, who you will, of course, know as Daryl Dixon <gasps> from The Walking Dead. Uh, so they are a long standing. Uh, cop duo they've been working on a case trying to bring down uh, the notorious mobster Gat Benson uh, who I've got played by Eric Banner okay because he's not been in a good movie for a while also who looks fantastically well with silver hair like if we can just pop into a pig corner just for a second he's aged well he's got a Clooney factor going on and I really wanted to get Gat Benson as sort of like a very slick Italian style mobster Mm. but for a modern version of that okay so I settled on Eric Banner it did go back and forth on whether I wanted him being quite imposing at one point I heard him play by Hugo Weaving uh, but I soon revised that Uh, so what happens is that um, Jim and Louis get tipped off about Gat's whereabouts. So it's this is going to be a big sting operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they arrive in sort of like a big steel mill sort of situation, right. which is not known to them up until this point to be a, a meeting place to trade off drugs and weapons and Christ knows what else in order to serve the public underground of New York. Right. Which is interesting because I, I think setting it in a real world location is going to give this movie sort of like a bit more of a character to itself. Because mm-hmm. you set things in Metropolis and Gotham and Coast City and the all that. stakes just aren't the same. Th- they aren't because there's no identity. No. Whereas I think making this a very grounded New York movie would, would really work. Either way, the operation is a bust. Gats knew that the police were coming... Um, and Jim Corrigan was very clear on only him and and Louis going in as his two-man job. So we can take him down. It's just going to be him. doesn't matter what happens. As long as we get the guy, we bring him to justice. It kind of goes wrong, and Corrigan is captured. Um, uh, And Louis manages to get away. He manages to get over to his cop car, call in for backup, Mm -hmm. and and, and sort of drive off as he's being hailed by gunfire by by Gap Benson's men. Uh, Corrigan is bundled into the back of this very sort of sleek black car mm-hmm. and and torrid off somewhere else. Um, bag over his head and gets hit with the butt of a gun and he's out. He wakes up again and he's in another random warehouse, again, stockpiled with drugs and money and weapons. And Gat Benson sets about torturing Jim Corrigan. It's a very grisly scene. He's right. cutting into his flesh it, you know, it's essentially like he's starting the whole the neck thing, but right. stopping just halfway just so he can let him yeah, yeah. bleed out a little bit. He's beating the shit out of him. He's breaking his fingers. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you know that torture scene in Grand Theft Auto Five. Yes, that without the comedy. Right. Okay. So it's fucking brutal. Right. Uh, he then ends this with saying, "There's only one way that you're gonna go out. You're gonna sleep with the fishes." So they get this cast, place his feet in it, fill it with cement. They drive him out to the Hudson. They chuck him in. 
Jim Corrigan dies. Right. So he's drowned. Um, as he dies, there's sort of like a green sort of like scene. Jim Corrigan sort of like bolts awake in a black void. Mm. And there's this sort of like, there's a voice talking to him saying, you know, the justice hasn't been served and justice must be served. Mm-hmm. And he, he and he's asked where he is and he says he's neither in heaven nor hell. The afterlife as he knows it isn't, you know, as he would perceived it as a, right. as a, as a Catholic because he's an Irish American. Right. It's not. It's not as he perceives it. There's no heaven and hell. He's in a state of purgatory. He's been denied access into whatever version of the afterlife exists in the Justice League universe. Mm-hmm. What he is offered though is the chance to become more than what he was, to become the harbinger of justice as opposed to just its lackey. He has a chance to become the spirit of vengeance. This voice is saying, I can bring you back, but you have to realise this is a lifelong contract and a lifelong commitment to bring injustice to those who cannot be brought to. Right. Of course, Jim agrees. He returns to Earth, being engulfed in this sort of green mist, this green flame, as it were. Uh, And then that's it. We cut back to the funeral of Corrigan. Uh, Lewis Knight meets up uh, with Clarice Winston, who's played by Kate Mara. I'm rescuing her from Fantastic, Fantastic Four, right, essentially. Okay. We're putting her into a good movie. Who is Corrigan's widowed fiance? That was uh, the only family Corrigan had. His mother and father are dead. He has no siblings. He's an only child. Right. That was his last sort of connection in this yeah, world. Yeah. Uh, and Snipe feels like it's his duty to offer some consolation to say if there's anything we can do. Um, I mean, I know the police force is working on getting his belongings back to you. Um, if you want any help, feel free to contact us. Here's my number. So they sort of get chatting. And it, it looks like, at least for now, it looks like Clarice has actually got a friend. Right. Which is nice. Uh, however, we're going to cut back to Gap Benson, who is just going about his business, being the mob boss, killing dudes left, right and centre. What a... I'd like this to take place in one of those um, big freezers, you know, like where where Rocky punches the meat. Oh, with the meat hooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd like him just to be like p- placing dudes on hooks. This is a grisly movie, by the way. Yeah. It, it's very grisly. Uh, so what happens is that the, the spirit of vengeance makes itself known, saying justice must be served. Uh, and Gat Benson sees visions of Jim Corrigan. Jim's walking up to him. He fires into Jim. The bullets pass right through him. He's like, what are you? Who are you? And he's like, I was Jim Corrigan. Now I'm the spirit of vengeance. And this is when the mist sort of like manifests as a costume. Mm. Now, it's very difficult to say what I'd want to do with this costume, but I'm thinking of going more sort of like like a tattered cape. Like I want this costume to look old and beat up. And I don't really want him to have the stupid white makeup face. I just want it to be like a black thing with two piercing red eyes. So kind of like cloak. Yes. Right. Kind of like cloak, but I think more but a, like a bit teary. Like, like a Halloween version of cloak. If a you will. bit like Voldemort with the, the kind of flowy teary. Kind of. Yeah. You know when he's zipping about as a cloud. Yeah. yeah Imagine yeah. that, but with kind of like a like a almost manifested green cape, two piercing red eyes, and a couple of other bits okay. and bobs to I make it look that. like. Yeah. yeah. Um, essentially, I wanted to look a bit Egyptian in style. Okay. I wanted to look like an old gods sort of war right. getter, but to be a ghost, a spectre, if you will. Ah. Uh, so what happens during this scene is that Gat Benson is essentially haunted and is forced to drown on land. 
So the thing about the Spectre is that he goes, he cuts about killing folks left, right, and center in the name of justice. So he's gonna get a little bit of personal revenge on Gat Benson by like beating him to shit and then like just sort of like plate like a hand emerging from this ghost that was Jim Corrigan and just forcing water to sort of like pool around him, shoot up and down into his throat. And then you see a man drown, stood up. It's it's almost like an exorcism. And just and that's it. Gat Benson's gone. That's it. Um Essentially, when Benson's body is found, he's found by just random members of the NYPD who call it in because he's found in this meat kitchen, as it were, and with no discernible reason as how he could have drowned. The, the death's going to be treated as super as suspicious, uh, and eventually this ends up on Louis Snipes' desk. Is that like you were the last person who worked the Benson case? Mm-hmm. Here's some new information. Dude died. He drowned on land. We don't know how to explain this one. Uh, but Snipes taken kind of an unusual interest in this case. I mean, obviously you would for somebody that you've yeah. been tracking for months. Uh, and he's partnered up with a new cop called Polanski, uh, who's played by Garrett Hedlund. Um, I don't know whether you watch Once Upon a Time at all. No. Uh, he's in that. He's Hook in that. I've actually got... I originally had two members of the Once Upon a Time cast in here, but I settled on Garrett Hedlund. Okay. Um, so he's brought in as the new the new buddy. Yep. Right? And he's he's a very straight... Um, by the books cop and it's very important to know that he does everything by the book because um, as we go forward into the movie members of Gats Benson's uh, criminal network begin to turn up dead in weird and wonderful ways so there's one who has like a drinking problem mm-hmm. who his, uh, when the spectre arrives to take him he's forced to feel the extreme effects of alcohol poisoning um, even though he's trying to go clean. There's a guy who's you know big on tobacco so his lungs are made to shrivel and burn inside his own body so that he is essentially spitting up smoke and flames by the time right. he's found um but and, and all of this is it's working out fine for the NYPD because essentially everything that they've been tracking is they're conveniently turning up dead crimes right. going down people are scared everyone that was in Gap Benson's network is terrified to even go out and do a simple like grocery store robbery right. things are looking up until a member of the NYPD goes missing um, now, Snipe is, is is the only one to realise that this guy has disappeared. It's like, well, hang on, where's, you know, yeah. where's this guy gone? And as it turns out, um, this NYPD member had links to Gap Benson, was actually on his payroll. And there is a bit of corruption going on in the NYPD. Uh, Snipe returns to Clarice um, and informs her that we we feel like your husband's murder might have something to do with the current case we're working on. We need to bring you in for additional details. How and um, like we get to know more about Jim Corrigan as a person before he died. In this point, we get to see how he was relentlessly tracking uh, Benson's entourage, essentially noting down every detail, profiling them. And Snipes at a desk at one point in this movie, he's matching up the files that live in Corrigan's desks to the methods of death. And it's everything that he knew about that person has something to do with the way that they died. Like I say, either a drink, drugs, gambling problem or whether they were, you know, worked in the sex trafficking industry. So they died being castrated or something like that. Essentially, he's going, what the fuck? It's almost as if Corrigan's got a direct hand in this. Right. Um, So they obviously this is set in the just the universe and he goes this isn't the worst you know the weirdest thing we've seen we we did watch a man descend from the stars stars and beat up 
a giant grey dude in Gotham. So anything's possible. Not for Snipes. Snipes is getting a little bit worried that perhaps something might be a play in here. So he's thinking, well, maybe I should bring a guy in who's going to be clued up on this. Who might know a little bit more about the supernatural. So he's flicking through a phone book looking at spirit, like uh, spiritualists and mediums. He settles on one name, calls the number and goes, okay, look, I'm dealing with what potentially could be a series of supernatural homicides. Can I call you in, Mr. Constantine? (laughs) <laughs> which weirdly enough I've got Richard Madden plays John Constantine in a weird twist of fate we both cast Rob Stark in something okay the, the, the man's charismatic I believe he could really do a good yeah. job as John Constantine and unfortunately we can't use Matt Ryan because that's part of the Arrowverse which is unfortunate because he would have been my go-to guy right he'd have been like if Justice League didn't have Ezra Miller's Flash in it this would be the way of going, okay, yeah. the Arrow versus the Justice League yes. universe. But we can't do that. Uh, so we've got uh, Richard Madden instead. Uh, so he comes in and essentially just um, starts taking uh, like samples from the different crime scenes. He escorts him to one uh, where there's just a new fresh body and he's able to pick up a magic trace by doing an incantation. Uh, and John Constantine goes, you're dealing with uh, something that we haven't seen in thousands of years, possibly millennia. Uh, I'm going to need to be able to, you know, go away and research what we're dealing with here. Mm. When he comes back, he reveals that this spirit is known as Aztar. It's the most ancient being known to man. It's essentially God. For all intents and purposes, you can't stop him. You can't kill him. He is immortal. He's forever. He's been around longer than most organized religions in the world. Scriptures of Aztar date back to prehistoric man. Right. As kind of like this hand in the world that dealt with injustice. Long before justice was even conceived as a concept, Astar is the originator of justice. Right. The avatar of justice, I guess. <laughs> uh, and this kind of sends Snipe into a tizzy, thinking, okay, so I'm now dealing with what is essentially God committing murder. I, how do I bring in God for murder? Mm-hmm. This is this is a little bit above my station. John Constantine's like, look, I've dealt with demons before. Unfortunately, not really anything like this. I'll help it when I can. You know, you have my number. Call me. Um, but Snipe kind of realises that the only way he's going to be able to bring out Corrigan is to appeal to his human side. Is not to appeal to Aztar and this avatar of perfectness, yeah, yeah. but to appeal to the human inside him. So he calls Clarice and tries to summon the Spectre. He is successful in summoning the Spectre. They return to the scene of Corrigan's death. Essentially, they return to this harbour mm-hmm. and they, they they try to summon him. Um, Snipes does this the only way he knows how, by committing an injustice. So he, as a dirty cop, he, he essentially kidnaps Corrigan's wife. Right. The, the Spectre immediately, I'm talking like straight away, descends. And because you've finally shown your true colours. So we get this huge reveal that Snipe is the one who set up Corrigan's death. Right. So he was the original dirty cop. When when other dirty cops started showing up dead, he was kind of like, oh, this is looking bad for me. Yeah. And when members of the entourage that were paying him off, it's not looking good. So it becomes this whole battle. Now Polanski's the good guy. Polanski's your good cop. Yeah. And Snipe, who's been your your protagonist for this entire movie is now suddenly heel turned in the last act okay um so he's got his wife hostage uh, and the specter obviously is going to win 
There's, mm-hmm. there's no stopping the Spectre. He's immortal. But for a brief moment, it looks like he's able to break him. He looks like he's able to to find the human side, to find Corrigan and his flaws and bring out just a homicidal rage. Right. So it, it, it descends and the Spectre is able to sort of like whip away as it was. And there's a shootout and a punch up. There's a standard sort of like cop movie action scene between the two as they fight in a warehouse nearby in this harbour whilst Clarice is tied up. Polanski's the one to save her, so he gets her away. He calls in the backup. Um, and then it ends just on a on top of one of these warehouses where where Mark is able to Mark? Who's Mark? Where <laughs> where Jim is able to recall the Spectre yep. and provide just the worst kind of grisly, gruesome death you can hope anyone to have. What he does is he opens up this wormhole and throws uh, Snipe through it into a void of nothingness and he asks where he is and he goes, You're not you're not anywhere. You're not between heaven, you're not between hell. You're stuck in the purgatory. I can offer you a way out, but you're not gonna like it. Um and it, essentially the, the 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 lack of any reality is gonna slowly stand Snipe insane. So he agrees, yeah sure. Offer me this way out. I'm so sorry for what I did. Uh, until he realises that essentially the way out is experiencing the pain of death forever. Like, and I mean every variation that the Spectre has done in the movie so far. So he experiences having all of his bones broken. He experiences having all of his insides burn up. He experiences drowning. He experiences death in flames, etc. Forever. And that is, as the man who created the original Spectre, essentially the man who made Jim Corrigan... Yeah. go down this path of ultimate vengeance that's the only really fitting end to that story um so the good news is that clarice makes it out alive polanski manages to rescue her the specter appears to polanski and says you're the only good cop on the force you know you're pretty much the only paragon of justice in the human world now and my job is going to be getting so much more bigger from here on out like i have a lot of injustice to deal with as this avatar but right. New York is safe in your hands. You keep on doing you. Make sure Clarice is safe for me, etc., etc. The movie ends on a vaguely, vaguely happy note. But, you know, we are essentially accepting that our superhero is a serial killer. Right. For all intents and purposes, he is he is Jason Voorhees. He's just an unstoppable force of death. Lovely. Your post credit scene uh, is... Corrigan in his human form because that's something you can flip back and forth between now after dealing with the powers of the Spectre and sort of like toning down the rage aspect of it. He's able to connect to a human form more often than mm-hmm. not. So Corrigan uh, meets up with John Constantine. John Constantine's like, so Aztar, that's a new one to me. Haven't dealt with anything this powerful. I've got a few friends. If you'd be interested in meeting up with them at some point, maybe, you know, have a supernatural chat, a cup of tea. Uh, Corrigan's like, I'll think about it. I've got work to do. Mm-hmm. So that's your setup for a Justice League Dark movie. Right. If you want to do that, nice. If you wanted to go make a Zatanna movie after this, I have an idea for that. I I do it as as um, as Zatanna, like growing up as this um, magic user that essentially meets another magic user in the form of John Constantine, who essentially becomes your Nick Fury for the Justice League Dark, right? As it were, uh, and I'd put her against. Uh, probably Elden Peck or Zor and have the big monster fight be against Solomon Grundy because I think that's a character that we haven't really had yet. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially, But then that's essentially all leading up to a Justice League dark movie uh, where you do it against Kane, the first of the vampires. 
Right. So, yeah, all the supernatural and horrible stuff, you make a straight-up slasher-slash horror movie, but also a cop drama, uh, and you do it with a hero that you won't really get in any other film because he is... He's the the villain, essentially. He's the force mm. of death and and goriness. And, and I, admittedly, I, quite, I know this is a bit of a hard pitch and a hard sell, but don't market that as a superhero movie. By all means, put the DC logo at the start of everything. Mm-hmm. But don't say this is an entry into the Justice League universe. Just, just put this forward as for what it is. It's a dark, grisly horror movie um, that's just full of gore, full of jump scares and terror um i think i mean this kind of movie could be put in really good hands with like fede alvarez who just did just did who recently did the reboot of evil dead mm-hmm. i feel like he's a man who understands the, the the fine line between you know just like gore porn and an actual tense horror and i think there's an opportunity for some really good cinematography so like one of the scenes could be um one of the cops body cams and you know you can play around with with not having a reliable main character as well because his intentions are forever clouded to the the viewer yeah. pretty much from dot one. Mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot of interesting concepts you can do with that and the Spectre is just an interesting character, just an interesting force. I think yeah. it'd be great to have that as just a dark side to the heroism of the already dark JLU, if you were, you haven't you haven't tried to correct course. You doubled down. Essentially, yeah, right. Because I believe that that's what they're going to do with the Joker standalone thing. You've got Scorsese, yeah. like directing that. And although he makes very funny movies, they are inherently about bad people. Yeah. So why not go to that logical conclusion? Have the the goodest guy in the in the this universe be the man who has absolutely no problem with killing people with a plum? I think it'd be interesting. I don't know if it's very brave or muddled. Yeah, uh, admittedly, like much like your idea last last week, yeah. it is a few golden nuggets interspersed with a metric ton of bullshit. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't going to win this one, but I thought, let's at least have fun with it. Let's at least make something that yeah. would be... And like I said, this is ripping off... You know, The New Mutants is coming out yes. next year. That's for some reason a horror movie now. Well, the, the you t- only, you, yeah. You're telling me that Warner Brothers wouldn't be eyeing that up no, if it works? you're right. I think we should go for it. It... it, it it sounds like a better version of the Ghost Rider movies, you know, Spirit of Vengeance and all that yeah. stuff. And I, and it, I do like a lot of the decisions you've made in terms of making the uh, essentially your protagonist is the villain murderer, and your protagonist is so so the person you think is the protagonist, the Spectre, is also your villain, but also your good guy, and your good guy Norman Reedus is. He's a good guy, but then a last-minute heel turn, and it's 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 brave, and I'd be very interested to see it as an experiment. I just don't know. I, I it's partly due to the fact that you don't have a good track record of doing simple movies. Mm, that's true. They've you, made one in, good one. You've put it in the hands of better people, but then it's still you've still got Warner Bros. oversight. I I just don't know if it's just too ambitious a project to really, really very gruesome. Are things okay at home? You need to check that first. <laughs> Everything's absolutely fine. I just the solution was to was to submit a man to an eternity of death. Essentially, yeah. Uh, you know, opening he a says hole. that with a smile on his face. <laughs> Essentially, hope doomed you to die. Opening a hole into the afterlife where nothing is real and he continuously dies over and oh. over and over again. Which, funnily enough, is in the comic books. Oh, lovely. That's not my own invention. That was uh. in the books. 
And all he can do is sing the end of Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> so it's oh, to the end God. of time. I swore I would die till the end of time. <laughs> so now I'm praying for the end of time. <laughs> the of that's, that's your ending. That's your ending. That should be the song. Let's that's get that. a year of it. Um, it's very interesting. I just don't know if it's if it's if this was their how do we save the DC universe to their best extent through the medium of one movie? I I just don't know. People aren't responding to Grim Death and Grim Dark. I don't know if then really fucking doubling down in a very cool way, but still going that way. I just don't know if that's the way. Do you could argue very very rightly that mine is such a hard left in the other direction from what's currently there that it might throw the whole thing out in a tears. As we said with our full Ragnarok review, they built up to this wacky level of comedy. You know what I mean? The early Iron Man movie was funny, but not in the same way that Thor Ragnarok is. And and for me to do just a straight hard left into goofball comedy that yeah. would have been led by Chris Pratt if it was made five years ago. <laughs> really would have. But, yeah, there's there's flaws in, in both of them. But I, I, I'm going to stick with my one. I think I have my strongest opposition to you for once. I, yeah, I think you do. And I think the beauty of yours is that it, it very much feeds off the Marvel idea yeah. of making a hero because I wouldn't really say that maybe apart from Wonder Woman anybody in the DCU is actually likeable and is actually no. like rootable no. Superman turns up and is already perfect Batman turns up and is a vigilante asshole yeah. Wonder Woman is you know essentially park god already but is actually a pretty rootable character for a lot of that movie but for some parts is the fish out of water character yeah. that you don't really have a major connection with no. That's the beauty of your Booster Gold script. But, like you say, it is just such a, a hard... It, we have got, essentially, like it's a T-junction. You're yeah. going very harsh in one way, and I'm going very harsh in the other. Yeah. But what mine does, I think, over yours, is it sticks to what the, the, the DCEU is already known for, and it's known for brutality. Yeah. It's known that, like, Superman broke a man's neck. Batman's been branding people. You're right, and, and and this thought that they need to do comedy in order to course correct is wrong, because again, let's just remind ourselves of the best DC movie of all time, which The Dark Knight is not a comedy. Nope. It has some funny lines in it, but it's not a comedy by any stretch of the imagination. And ain't nobody moaning that that was too grim and fucking dark and shit. It was perfect. If everything was of the same calibre of The Dark Knight and still grimdark, we'd have no problem. We'd have two booming superhero franchises at the moment, but we don't. So <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, we don't want anything to fail, but unfortunately, we don't have that. What I think, speaking of failure, what I think would be the biggest risk of yours is that it doesn't work, and it doesn't work with a character that people, especially now, are really warming up to. Whereas I think, I know we're essentially saying, what if our movies fail? But like, if my movie failed, I don't think anybody's going to miss not returning to the Spectre because if you wanted to then go off and do Justice League Dark, you just, you get back Etrigan the Beast or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I see what I mean. Whereas mine's more because I make so many allusions to him joining the Justice League and that being a big thing for him. You kind of then, yeah, it's it's like had Ant Man failed, you would have kind of been in the same trap in that you need to use him, even though no one really liked his solo movie. But I have faith in Joe Keery to to bring the thunder. And Steve, um, responsible Steve, he's going to be here, and and he is a time traveller, so you can just say he went. He can just go. I need to go in there. My time zone needs me. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> um, On the way back to back to his yeah. time, his ship crashed and this he died. Thing, the West Way says you're you're relying on a your your finale sees you know the ghostly vengeance you know hand of justice of God 
punishing a man to eternal death, and mine involves a fight between a man called Peter Platinum <laughs> and Booster Gold fighting between air balloons. Yeah, as as they go, pretty yeah. fucking polarizing. I should put it, Peter Platinum was a, an amalgamation of two characters, one of which has an even stupid name, the Perforated Man, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually because Peter Platinum isn't a future version of Michael of, of, of Michael. He just hears what Booster Gold did and repeats that thing. Um, the perforated man is a different version of Michael Carter from the future, but when he time jumps, he splices. But it's more like not as vast as I go to, but he's like missing a hand and bits of his skin, and yeah. it's implied that a bit of his brain's missing. That's why he's gone a bit mental. And, and every time he does, and it's like it's like more erratic. He's not in control of his time jumps, and every time he does, other bits get sliced off, other bits come back, etc. But I couldn't have a man called the perforated man. No. So I somehow went with Peter Platinum instead. <laughs> Peter um, he's Platinum. called Peter Platinum in the comic books. I'm not making it up. So that's, that's awesome. Over to you, now, people. You get to decide which one of these is the is the better idea for trying to fix the DC movie, or if you have a better idea than we do, we're not go- we're not great at this, so you can be. Just- <laughs> this time, you probably do. <laughs> Please do let us know over at the usual channels, which of course are at F O U L E N T. That's Fowley on T on the social network of your choice, or at FowleyOnTheMoon You can drop a, a message in the comments. Uh, either on this post or just on any post, really, we read them all, uh, saying who you think won this round of Pitch Intense. Or you can let me know on Twitter whether or not I did do the right thing by going super grimdark and essentially making a slasher cop movie mm. that also has a superhero in it for reasons. On Twitter, at that might go in, or on Instagram, also at that might go in. Darren? Tell me how right I was on at the Guttridge on Twitter and at Daz the G on Instagram. We have recorded a Thor Ragnarok review, which will be up on the site hopefully by the time you're listening to this. So go, do go check that out. Uh, and this has been done in preparation, of course, for the Justice League movie. We may not be hot out of the traps on that due to holidays and other such things, meaning we can't watch it basically on day one. Well, you can. I could. Well, yeah. I can't. Um, but we'll, we'll be getting to that as soon as possible. Hoping against hope it pulls one out and it's good and we have a banner year for superhero movies um, this year. Um, it's got a lot of quirks in it now. A lot more quirks than it used to, I presume. And um, a lot more colour, apparently. Yeah. The colour palette's been changed dramatically. And now it's Marvel with the movie that looks like it's going to have no fun. Because you can you see a single joke being told in Black Panther? Probably not. Because I fucking can't. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be back with good news on the front of DC and it won't need saving after all. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.